Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a former NFL player. He was drafted in the second round by the Dallas Cowboys. He's a former student at Georgia University. Also a, a, also was drafted by the Chicago Cubs minor league baseball team. Mr. Quincy Carter, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me, buddy. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. First of all, let me get my fandom stuff out the way, man. This, I'm so excited and honored to have you on my platform, man. Oh, it's all love, man. All love. First of all, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Shoot. was a busy day today. You know, uh, I started this, um, this alumni co- uh, coordinator uh, job here about a month and a half ago, man. So I'm settling in, but Mondays is always crazy, man, with our clients and everything. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I um, I saw you were doing coaching. Is that like quarterback coaching? Is that correct? Yes, I've got my own quarterback school. Um, you know, I'm coaching uh, various training, various quarterbacks uh, across the country, putting on camps in Florida, Texas, Georgia. Uh, so God got me uh, busy right now. How did how did that come about? The coaching. It it naturally became uh, something that I w- always wanted to do. To be honest with you, uh, so I've been actually I've been training these quarterbacks up, man, for years. I just hadn't uh, used my social media platform as much as I have these last couple years. And for various reasons, too, to be honest with you. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I've really gotten a, a, a good um, place in my heart and my spirit to expand, you know, uh, my quarterback school, my knowledge that, you know, it's been given to me over all the coaches I've had, you know, across the board, high school, shoot, even going back to, you know, Gresham Park, of course, college and the pros, man. So I just want to give it back. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's that's really amazing because I see that I've been following you on Instagram and I see the hard work you're putting into these kids and it's definitely commendable what you're doing. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. So I'm we're going to go to the beginning. We're going to start. Um, first of all, when how did you what age did you start playing football? Man, I was a late bloomer in football. I actually played baseball and basketball first, and uh, I didn't start playing football until like the age of nine. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, it was always, you know, um, a big, I was always a big fan of it. You know, we had legendary throw up tackle uh, (laughs) games in my. in my apartment complex in Mountain Park off Custer Avenue. So uh, we moved down, uh, moved there from Chicago. But, uh, but man, I seen it at the park. I always itched to play it, but my mom only wanted me to play two sports. And so as my grades got better in school and I was handling business, man, she went on and let me start playing football too. <laughs> you were, I, wow, so you were born in Chicago. Yeah, I was born in Chicago, and we moved to Atlanta when I was like four years old. Yep. Do you even remember the move? I do not. That's crazy. But I do remember all the summers, me going uh, to Chicago during the summertime after baseball season for about a month, month and a half, uh, right before school, up until I was about 12 years old. 
And then when I started playing a little travel baseball team, we had a travel baseball team up in East Cobb, those trips to Chicago stopped. <laughs> yeah. were, were, you, were you upset about that? Uh, kind of, uh, but I, man, I got to travel so much. My grandparents actually started coming out to see me like they would meet us in Tennessee and Kentucky when we had tournaments through that way. So, um, so yeah, man, I was a little disappointed though, cause I love Chicago, man. I love going down to Lake Michigan, seeing the Navy Pierre every summer. Um, but then at the same time, man, I, you know, my love for baseball was growing too. When you, so did you, when you went to high school, I'm a, you played both sports, correct? Yeah, uh -huh. I played all three actually. I played basketball too. Damn, how'd you have time to do all that? Yeah. It's just, I wasn't that good at it. So don't nobody really talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> did you, you, you love, but you love football and baseball. Yeah, baseball is my first love. And, and it really started growing on me, like I said, when I got to travel. Um, but then when I went to Southwest Cab as a 13-year-old, uh, went as an eighth grader too, because we didn't have middle school. Uh, that's when my my football, uh, my love of football start, you know, picking up some steam. Man. Let's, so we're going to fast forward. We're going to go to, to football because you were, man, I, I read your accolades. You were the Georgia State Player of the Year. So clearly you were an amazing football player as well. Well, hey, man, you know, so I credit that to my my coaches who uh, who always had me prepared on Friday nights. I went to uh, the best uh, football program in the state of Georgia, I thought when I was in high school, uh, not only were we prepared as athletes, but we pre we were prepared as men. We pre they were preparing us to be men too, and uh, and we got we had a rich tradition when I was in high school at Southwest Cab, and uh, man, we played for each other. I played around some world class athletes. Hell, two of my, my teammates were Olympic champions, Angelo Taylor and Terrence Tremell. The Jermaine Stringers of the world went on to Florida State. Rest in peace to my best friend, Marco Shepard, one of the best receivers out of, you know, out of uh, the state of Georgia back in 95. So, man, I played with some top-notch athletes. Hell, I kick her. Uh, ended up going and playing for the New York Giants, Rodney Williams. So the, the punter, yes, I remember him. I remember him. Yes. So man, we had we had world class talent across the board, man, and we love the game and we love playing for each other. A funny thing happened though. You got drafted by the Chicago Cubs in 1998 to play baseball. What was uh, that? What was that? How did you feel about that? Man, I felt too good about the money. That's what I felt too good about. <laughs> and, um, and I was a quarterback. And so my decision-making on that was that, hey, man, I'm going to go full speed with baseball because I don't want football to go and uh, get in the way and vice versa. And it was the perfect opportunity for me to see if, you know, if I uh, first loved it, you know, first because I thought I loved it. But man, I didn't love that everyday grind. I really didn't. And I can't even shy away from 
uh, even giving you another answer, man, because ultimately that's what happened. You know, um, the everyday grind of baseball just it wasn't in uh, it wasn't in my DNA. You know, I know I played a lot of uh, baseball during the summer times, man. But uh, but man, you know uh, that schedule we had of only probably one off day, you know, a month um, that 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 wore on me a little bit, and, uh, and then that itch to go back and play football just kept growing. And when it, so how did what was how did you come to decisions because you had you 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 were drafted by a minor league team so you 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 had a path to the majors how did you come to decision to go back to college? Well, honestly, I, like I say, man, that grind uh, I wasn't you know all that happy about uh, the success I was having uh, honestly in baseball uh, just kind of you know wasn't. Um, something that I was all that, you know, enthused about. And so I wanted to try my luck in football, man. And my and my love for football never uh, left me. And so when those falls would come and I was missing football, man, I felt like I was missing a, vi a big uh, vital part of my life, man. So I got back into it. I read that you assigned with Georgia Tech, but then you ended up going to Georgia. How did that happen? Uh, well, you started, you know, two great years there, man. Uh, and I just thought that, you know, he had the position locked down and Georgia uh, was coming off a 10 and two season. Mike Bobo was leaving. And, um, and I got that itch, man, to play for the home state, man. Uh, and the number one, you know, uh, university in the state. We all know that. So, uh, and Georgia, man, coming out of high school was really never high on my list. And the only reason why they weren't was simply because, um, you know, they were uh, they were going to be on probation. And so the 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 uh, the uh, the the, um, the sanctions got lowered a little bit, and so they were able to get off probation a little bit earlier than expected. They lost some scholarships, man, but we had some good recruiting classes those years. We lost some scholarships, man. So it was just the uh, the perfect choice, to be honest with you. Georgia Tech, were they running the wishbone back then or no? No, actually, Ralph Friedgen, um was the coach, was the offensive coordinator there, and, and – and, um, and uh, George O'Leary was the uh, was the head coach. So no, they ran a pro style offense. Okay, okay, because yeah, I know Rob Friedman because I'm in Maryland and he ended up coaching Maryland. He had a little success here, but uh -huh. he kind of fizzled out. He's a genius on the offensive side, though. He really is. Friedman. Yes. Why would you? What what, what makes him a genius? Well, I mean, just his results. Uh, he might not have went to the biggest schools, you know, the the Notre Dames and the, um, you know, the USC's at the time. Uh, but his results, man, he got results. Look what he did with Joe Hamilton. And we're talking about Joe was before his time, you know, at 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, shoe in high heels, hell. Uh, <laughs> no, no disrespect to Joe. That's my boy, man. But he know what I mean by that. But man, hey, Friedman, uh really put Joe in some, you know, some good situations, man. Joe was able to go out there and execute, man. So, man, his record speaks for itself. Okay. 
Let's talk about your time in Georgia. You 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 win the starting job. What was it like playing in front of man? I think Georgia got like ninety thousand people. So what was it like playing there as a freshman? Man, it was like playing in my backyard. Man, I had you know my family behind me. I had the whole city of Decatur behind me. Hell, I I even had Cobb County behind me because I played baseball up there. You know, uh, and so man, I had so much support. You know, uh, it wasn't, you know, wasn't no, uh, no extra motivation I had to, you know, to do to get ready. Man, it just felt like playing at home, man. I was playing in front of my home people. That, so once you started, once what, at what point did you know you made the right decision returning to college? Oh, hell, when I won the starting job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I won that starting job after that last scrimmage, man, that was all she wrote for me. What? How, how, you know what? Because we, we, we as fans, we watch on TV. Um, SEC, we all know the most dominant conference. I hate to say it because I'm, I'm more up north, but SEC is. Let's just be honest; they're the most dominant conference in football. What is it like playing in the SEC? Because they got the every stadium at least is about eighty thousand. The, the competition is is high intensity every week. So I wanted you to talk more about just playing in the SEC. Man, it's an honor. Yeah, man, you you know you're gonna be playing against the best every week. Um, you know you know uh, you're gonna be playing against the best coaches. Um, when you go on the road, hey, you know you're gonna be facing a hostile environment so it just really brings the best out of you um because if you got any because if you got any um you know proud about yourself man you'll get yourself prepared for what you're getting ready to face because you know you're going to be facing the best all the way across the boards players coaches and fans what's the most memorable game you had in college i would say the lsu game um my freshman year, and it's kind of tied with uh, with the Auburn game on the road uh, my freshman year, too. And then, I, shoot, I got a third one in there beating Drew Brees and uh, Purdue <laughs> coming back from, uh, from 25 nothing. So, hell, I guess one out of those three. <laughs> Man, what, and what a career he ended up having, Drew Brees. I know, right? Did you see that coming from him? You know, I did not, honestly. Uh, I seen his drive, you know, me, him, and Michael Vick did a couple competition deals before the draft, and he was always just, I mean, so serious about it. Me and Mike was joking around, and Drew, man, was just locked in. So I seen that competitiveness in him. Uh, I think he got a blessing hurting his shoulder out there in uh, San Diego, and so when he uh, came to New Orleans, he really had to work on his arm and his shoulder to get the strength back into it. And then, hell, he ended up strengthening it so much that it became a, you know, he had a, uh, he became a more of a strong, I mean, uh, more of a better arm to push the, uh, push the ball down the field. So that, uh, so that injury was a blessing in disguise. But I seen his competitiveness from the start. But honestly, no, I didn't see that much longevity, man. I'd be lying to you. Let's fast forward to 2001. Second round, you get drafted by the Cowboys. Tell me, tell me what your thoughts were when you heard your name announced. 
Uh, well, you know, I knew that I was going to get drafted by the Cowboys on like Wednesday or Thursday before the draft. So it was kind of spoiled to me. Um, you know, my agent and, and rest in peace to Eugene Parker, man, he had a great relationship with Jerry Jones. So, um, so I knew uh, where I was going to be drafted at, man, but it was still a great feeling. Shoot. It was just, you know, to me, um, honestly, man, right after the draft, let's, Hey, let's get to work. How did you feel knowing you were coming right behind Troy Aikman? Man, I, you know, honestly, thank God I didn't grow up a Cowboys fan. I actually grew <laughs> up, no, seriously, I actually grew up a Bears fan. Uh, so I knew what the Cowboys was about, but that pressure I didn't feel as much as me making it in the NFL and going to prove to people that I could play in the NFL. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Going into camp, did you what percentage did you give yourself of winning the starting job? Zero, because I knew Tony Banks was going to be the starter. And I was just preparing myself to be the backup and to be ready to play. But midway in the uh, in the preseason, uh, in training camp, they cut him. And then I became the starter like after um, after the second preseason game. Then it was just on from there. What was going through your mind knowing that you were actually going to be starting for America's team? Man, I, I, of course, you know, uh, I was anxious. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure I prepared myself the best way I could, but not put too much pressure on myself and understand what was in front of me. But being uh, mostly, man, uh, keyed in on being prepared, you know, to, uh, to what I was going to be facing. Man, that, and who and and this is ironic because I'm. Let me say I'm a huge. Anybody knows me knows how much a Cowboys fan I am. But the ironic part is your two thousand your rookie season is probably the most games I missed <laughs> for oh, as a Cowboys wow. fan I, because two thousand one like I didn't really have. Uh, I didn't know about. I didn't, I was still at home, so we couldn't get Direct TV. I really didn't know how to go out and watch the games. That wasn't really too popular back then. So a lot of times I would just have to um, read about it. Who was your, who was the first team you started against? Do you remember? It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, man. They ended up winning the Super Bowl that year too. It was Warren Sapp, uh, Simeon Rice, Derrick Brooks, uh, Rondé Barber. I mean, on all three levels, man, they had some dogs. Booger McFarlane, who I, faced at LSU, uh, but he was alongside uh, now Warren Sapp. Now, man, they had some dogs over there, and they was coming out to my head. Oh, God. And that was, and I'm sure Monty Kiffin was the coordinator, right? Yep, he was. Sure was. <laughs> what does that Tampa 2 defense look like? Is it really that confusing? It's not confusing at all. It's just they all 11 guys play together. And then when you got some guys who can stop the run too uh, up front, then you're really in trouble because now you don't even have to uh, send your linebackers and they can play in coverage. And all 11 just play in sync together, man. It's a beautiful thing. How would you describe your rookie season overall? Uh, I would say average at best. You know, I got hurt early. 
uh, came back and won some games. I think we went three and three after I came back like the last six games. So I would say average at best. Now, I do remember one game uh, when you guys came, like I said, I'm in the D.C. area, so you guys came to FedEx Field. Okay. And I remember you throwing like a 61, 62-yard touchdown to Rocket uh, Ishmael. Yeah, that was my first touchdown pass. Oh, that was your first? Yep, that was my first one. Yep. Did you I keep the hurt? I got hurt out the game one. Um, and then I came back those next six. And matter of fact, the Washington game was the first game I came back. Yep. Did you keep the ball? I did. Heck yeah, I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> it was at mama house as we speak. <laughs> so then you then we move on to the 2002 season. That season didn't quite go as well. What 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 would you say happened that year? I, I wouldn't let uh, smoking marijuana go. And uh, I got in the drug program. Uh, I made some bad decisions. And, uh, and so I was up and down with uh, settling in with my new offense. And, um, and every week, you know, we'll win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And, uh, and I got into an argument with, um, with actually Emmett Smith and me and Jerry Jones had some words also. And uh, that was all she wrote, man. But I was making bad decisions off the field that led to my erratic play on the field because I would play a good game. And then next thing you know, hey, I wouldn't play as well. So uh, so my season was going going along as my off-the-field activities was going. Mm. But then 2003 came. Parcells is the coach. Uh-huh. You, you guys went 10-6. Yeah. So that that was a that was actually your best year. You had like thirty three hundred yards passing. Uh, say maybe like twenty touchdowns. I'm not one hundred percent sure of the number. Uh-huh. Uh, you had a really good season, and you went to the playoffs. Yeah, it was man. I had, I had a solid season. I would say, um, you know, I thought my leadership really took off. Uh, I started really learning how to play the quarterback position. I started really learning how to be a leader. Um, and Bill Parcells was just, it was it was perfect timing, man. Exactly what I needed, man. What's it like to play for Parcells? Man, it's all business. I loved it, man, because you knew what you were getting every day. He wasn't going to waver. He was going to be the same guy, but he expected the best out of you every single, uh, every single day you stepped into that complex, man. But I love playing for him. I'm going to talk about the very – I'm not going to go too in-depth because there's so much I want to get to. But, unfortunately, another game I missed. But the first game of the season, you guys played the Giants. That was – I still to this day love watching the highlights because you made – you played a great game. And I just remember – I'm always going to remember the pass you threw to uh, Antonio Bryant right before they set up the field goal. Yep. No, that was a good game, man. That was a big game. Matter of fact, it was our second game uh, of the season because we were coming off a loss to the Falcons, my hometown team. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, man, that was a big win for us. Uh, you know, we didn't, um, you know, we didn't balk on losing that first game of the season, man, and we bounced back, man, and handled business. Now, unfortunately, after the 2003 season, you was cut. 
I wanted you to talk more about that. Well, you know, I got myself in the program, like I was saying, back in 2002. And um, and I uh, and I went all of the rest of 2002 and 2003 um, without, you know, uh, having any mishaps, man. And I, you know, basically, man, I, I let my guard down uh, instead of relying on God, you know, to supply me all my needs as far as anxiety, as far as the pressure of what I was getting ready to face, you know. Uh, I went back to an old friend of mine's who never had my back, and that was marijuana. And mm. so, um, so yeah, man, I ended up failing the test right before the preseason, and um, and you know, and the Cowboys, um, you, they uh, they counterreacted by cutting me. And so, uh, so man, when I look at it hindsight now, you know, um, you know, when you're not handling your business, man, and you and you're putting your fate in other people's hands. Well, hell, bad things gonna happen to you every time. How did you feel once they cut you? Cause that, that had to hurt. Yeah, I was devastated, man. Um, you know, I let myself down. I let my family down. I let my, you know, my whole city uh, of Decatur, my family in Chicago, man, I was hurt. I was devastated. Matter of fact, man, that rocked my world. <clears throat> I ended up signing up in New York for a year, uh, but I never, uh, I never got grasp of what actually, uh, of the significance of me getting cut like that. And so, um, and so after the season, after the jet season, man, you know, um, I, uh, I didn't get signed by a team. And then that's when, you know, uh, my addiction really took off, man. I started messing around with pills, uh, drinking a whole lot, you know, of course, smoking. And it just got worse and worse, man, because I was not looking at myself and the reason why I got cut, the reason why I went back to marijuana and doing the things that uh, that wasn't serving me no good. And, uh, and I was pointing the finger at everybody else. What would you say was your lowest moment? Oh, getting cut. It don't get any lower than that. Or you mean from the last 15 years, maybe? After after you, let after. me, okay, let me rephrase the question. What, at what point did you get to get low to the, at what point was your lowest where you knew you needed to get yourself some help? Oh man, it's been, it's been a few times, man. Um, but I wouldn't always surrender to the program and to God. But, mm. uh, but I would say, um, I would say, man, uh, I would say definitely after the, um, after me not getting, uh, uh, getting a chance to play for the Dolphins when, uh, when Bill Parcells, uh, came and got me and, uh, and had a great workout. And then, uh, then I end up not passing the drug test there down in Miami back in oh mm -hmm. eight. Um, then I would say um, I would say that was a low point. I would say being homeless in Atlanta in 2010, and uh, and not really, uh, you know. And and my homeless, I was getting lucky because I had friends that I could go stay uh, stay at uh, stay at their homes. But I was I was homeless. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was just a different kind of homeless. Uh, 
uh, once again in 2000, um, in 2018 too. Um, you know, because I would get well um, coming out of rehab and then I forget that I'm in a program, you know, and that I'm in recovery and it's a certain way I got to live. And so in the depths of my recovery, in the depths of anybody's recovery, and I hope I'm, I'm able to help somebody, man, like you have to live this. Once you uh, realize that you you have an addiction, you have to live this. And there's only one way to live this. And it's through God. And it's also through that program, man. Uh, and, and I would, you know, uh, you know, not honor my relationship with God, not honor the program. And so I fell back into the, you know, uh, until the depths of my addiction and my addiction took me to homelessness. Wow. And that's where it took me to. Yeah. How did you eventually meet up with Hollywood Henderson? I met Hollywood back in 07. You know, Hollywood has been walking through me, uh, walking through this thing with me for years, man. Me and my, and I call him my angel on earth, man. Um, and he's been walking with me for years, but he couldn't do it for me. You know, he'll sit, sit up and watch me get a little time and do start doing the things I need to do. But then, like I say, man, you got to live this life of recovery. You just can't push on the gas pedal, man, and then let off. You got to keep that uh, foot on that gas pedal, man. And I would let off. And every time I would let off, man, you know, your your dishonesties, they start to eat you up. Um, and you gotta, you just gotta understand, uh, and I know we don't have a whole bunch of time, of what addiction is. And I think people, um, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say they take it lightly, but they don't fully understand that it's a complete lifestyle change. It's a complete, and it says it in the book, psychic change. Everything that you used to do, you can't do it anymore because you know where it leads you to, man. So Hollywood's been in my life, man, for years, uh, but he couldn't do it for me. And finally, I had to be the one to do it and fully do it. Man, I want to take this time, too, to congratulate you because um, you recently, I believe it was last year. I hope I'm getting the dates right. You celebrated a year of sobriety. Was that last year or this year? Yeah, well, I got two years now. Two I years. got two years now. Yeah, that's the most time I've ever had right here. Man, first of all, congratulations, because that's that's truly a blessing. That's real. I appreciate you, man. How how would you describe your what is the what is the main benefit now that you've been sober for two years that you can communicate? Man, oh God, this might go on forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Man, it's, it's, it's my relationship with God first and foremost, because now I'm able to uh, truly say I got a relationship with him and I'm going to leave everything in his hands. I know, I know I can have a bad day or be having bad days, but to, to feel his strength, to feel his love and his wisdom is irreplaceable. You know, so first I start there. And then it's the relationship with relationships with my kids, you know, how they're starting to flourish. They can depend on their dad. I'm living in the spirit now. And so now I'm able to just spew things out of my mouth that I know that's going to be wisdom to them because of the way I'm living. 
my relationship with my mom now. You know, me and my mom over the course of the years, man, have had our ups and downs through my addiction. You know, my relationship with with uh, with parents, uh, a quarterback parents who can understand where I'm coming from and to give them the right advice for their kids, my quarterbacks, man, and I'm living in this spirit, and sometimes I'll be on that field and see something because I'm there all the way, and I can see it. I can feel it. I can give them the wisdom, give them the knowledge that's been, you know, given to me. I'm not making this up. It's just the course of my life. I've been through so much. I've been able to see things, experience things, and now I can wholeheartedly give it back because I'm in that spirit, man. You know, um, my shoot, my 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 people back home, you know, in Decatur and Chicago, man, I'm understood now uh, again. You know what I mean? They've got the old Quincy back, man. And that means the world to me. It really does, man, because they know who I am. They know what I'm about, you know. And hell, and probably lastly, before I just keep talking forever, it'd probably be just getting me back, man. Getting me back and knowing who I who I truly was and got lost in my addiction, man. Got lost. So uh sure how much time we got. I can keep going. <laughs> look, I, look, brother, you you told me you had this on call. I'm on your time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but man, but just all of those things, man. It's a beautiful thing, man. The one I, I want you, I, I know you I know you got a tight timeline, so look. Yeah. Um you you now that you're coaching, uh-huh. you, you you you've reached the highest level. I mean, listen, we all mm-hmm. the kids play football to reach to the NFL. You did that, yep. but you also had your off-field problems, which took you out of the league. So, how does that help you with your coaching? Because you've seen both sides. You've seen the success and you've seen the failures. Yep. Well, well, hopefully, it it, it I can reach and and not hopefully. I think, and I have been able to reach the youngins that think marijuana is cool and it's legal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can show all my quarterbacks what, you know, uh, taking your eyes off the prize may get you. And then on the flip side of it, I can give it to you all, you know, of what I've learned uh, from protections, the way you carry yourself off the field, being a leader, the way you carry yourself in that locker room, how to prepare, uh, getting your uh, keeping your body fresh for Friday and Saturdays, man, putting that good water in you, how you eat. I can give it to them all, man. And I'm so blessed, man, to be able to do that, man. It is such a blessing, man. And I do not take that for granted, man that I can really, really, truly help the next generation. The, the passion in which you speak, I could just tell you in a much better space. I know this the first time we talk. I know uh-huh. it's the first time we talk, but you could just hear the passion in your voice, the love you have for the game and how you sincerely want to help these kids. So yeah, they're kid. truly blessed to have you in their corner. Hey, man, and I'm truly blessed to be able to give it to them, man, because some of the things I was doing out there, man, shoot, me and you ain't even supposed to be talking right now. Man. I'm blessed, man. Heck yeah. Well, look, you know, God, he, you know, we, we're on the journey and God will order our steps and he'll, he'll He'll provide for us. He'll get us where we need to be. Yeah, buddy. I'm going to end this on the question that 
I can't help but think because I remember watching you play and I was excited for you. Sometimes do you think about, man, what if I really took it serious and got the help early? What my career was? <laughs> That's it. That's it right there, man. And, and, and you know something that still crosses my mind too. And it's a little, it's a little ouch when I feel it. Uh, well, when I think about it, man, because I know what God had in place for me, you know, but God couldn't do something for me that I couldn't do for my, that I didn't want to all the way do for myself. And he laid it out for me. He laid it out for me. So you, they right. I think about it, man, that if I could have just listened, slowed everything down, knowing what I had in front of me. And really, man, it really came down to me depending on God. You know, because what I was dealing with, man, the pressures, uh, uh, no excuses, the anxieties that I felt, I still had that same anxiety to this day when it comes to different things, all right? I'm just going to him now for it. And I wasn't going to it. I wasn't going to it for him. Um, and man, cause I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the, uh, to just smoke out all, you know, just want to be high all day long. No, I just wanted to take the edge off a little bit, but I couldn't stop what I was doing. And so eventually when they cut the cord on me, hell, I didn't know what to do then. Now I got to put substances in me just to take that pain away, man. So man, if I could have slowed it down trusted God and let the people around me really help, truly help me, man. Boy, we'll be writing another story, but hey, but now I got to give it back now because I didn't want it. So I got to give it back now and give it to them. Well, listen, man, thank God, you know, thank God he delivered you from the bad times because, I mean, yeah, you could have had a great career, but you know what? Uh now and you still got time to do some great things and I'm following what you're doing and you're doing some great things. You're making a difference in those young men life. So who knows? I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't have this journey, you couldn't coach them in the way you do. So you just gotta take it how it is. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. So, Hey man, I'm blessed, man. But hey, I appreciate you too, man. I really do. I've been watching you. I'm a fan of yours too. You keep doing your thing too, boss, man. Hey, look, man, it was truly an honor, man. I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for doing this because I know you didn't have to do it. So thank you, man. I truly appreciate you giving me your time <laughs> on this platform. Uh, no problem, man. Shoot, let's keep in touch, buddy. Definitely. Before we go, please let the people know how they can follow you. You can follow me on... Um, on on I'm on um, Instagram, Quincy Lavon Carter, and that's the same uh, address for my Twitter, Quincy Lavon Carter. No, it's Quincy L. My Twitter is Quincy L. Carter, and my Instagram is Quincy Lavon Carter, and I think my, <laughs> my my Facebook is Quincy Lavon Carter. But anyway, you can really get in touch with me on QuincyCarter17.com. If you don't need to go through any social media platforms, I'm doing speaking engagements also at the same time. Anybody out there needs some help with addiction, and then also, man, ultimately, you know, uh, me teaching the quarterback position, man. So y'all give me a call. 
QuincyCarter17.com. Again, man, thank you for doing this. I wish you all the best, and and I'm really proud of you. Again, I'm gonna say it again. Congratulations for overcoming because I had, I've had my, I've seen my family have to battle certain addictions, especially alcohol. So to see a, a man beat it, it, it really does my heart well. So congratulations. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Every day, dude. Every yep. day, man. And I want to take this time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.